listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. You talking to me? You talking to me? You talking to me? Well, who the hell else are you talking to? You talking to me? Well, I'm the only one here. That is two years that you were you were there. Yeah, I mean, that's how long this podcast has been going on. Even longer than that. Crazy. Wow. Wild times. Dude, we started doing this in January 2020. What a bunch of idiots. <laughs> Dummies. <laughs> Worst possible thing. And much like them, just to bring us all in here. We're doing a throwback review because we didn't have movies to review uh, <laughs> at the time. Welcome to a one tape podcast. We're doing a throwback review. Taxi Driver. We're here. Episode 159. Uh, there were movies that came out this week and uh, a lot of streaming stuff. But uh, Taylor Swift completely just shat on the box office. So everyone kind of like cleared out. They like yeah. James Harden like cleared out the paint. <laughs> Anyway, I, cleared out too. I didn't go anywhere near a theater for that particular reason. Thank I was God. in there. I was amongst the Swifties and I came out like, you know what? I get it. I before, see we get, before we get to the title of this podcast, um, no, the title movie of this podcast, the thing that everybody wanted to hear, Dex's Taylor Swift review. Look, man, I... Like a lot of straight men, I was like, I mean, yeah, Taylor Swift, she has a song here or there that I like. It's cool, whatever. Like, she's not really for me. She doesn't make music for me. And then I sat there for like three hours and I was like, oh, wait, I know in like 90% of the songs that she's doing right now. Holy shit. I didn't realize she'd been doing fucking 17 years worth of music that I like. That's crazy. And uh, just being in a theater where there's a bunch of people just singing and screaming and being excited about something i don't know it does something for me i i like being around communal joy we don't get enough of that so you know it it just kind of washes over you and it's very well made so if you haven't seen it go check it out yet go check it out we were gonna go see it but um i was looking at ticket prices and normally this doesn't stop me from seeing movies or whatever they were upcharging for this particular 25 bucks yeah, for the biggest screens, it was twenty five dollars, and I talked to Caitlin, and she was like, "We don't have to, it, we don't have to spend fifty dollars to go see this movie right now. We can, we can wait." Oh yeah, I forgot there's two of y'all. That's tough. I mean, it wasn't gonna be me, like thirty year old dude, going into the theater. I mean, I know you did it, but like, yeah, that was that was me. <laughs> that was literally me. There's something inherently weirder about. 30 year old white guy going and sitting in the theater <laughs> with like a hoodie on just i don't know i wasn't gonna go do it um there's a certain stigma surrounding surrounding us if you will uh so taylor swift could give me 25 dollars and i would not go see this one. <laughs> i would not he's just all-time hater and i i kind of respect it yeah i respect it i respect the commitment i'm i have folded and i am now a taylor swift fan 
Beyonce will be getting my $25. Hopefully hers is also well-made because I need that. I need that in my life. I, well, I, mean, I will be there. Is Beyonce's, is it the the concert or is it like a, like a whatever the uh, last visual album thing she did was? Like, it's a concert. Like, okay. It's not going to be the concert in full because that would make it like a literally a three-hour uh, film. I'm sure it's going to be, you know, cuts and splices, but yeah, it's going to be the concert. Sick. Uh, Speaking of people who have made uh, concert movies, Martin Scorsese has made several uh, of them. Actually. Speaking of stigmas around white men. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> ah, finally, a film for me. <laughs> you know, a film for us, guys. You know what I mean? Totes, for yeah. sure. I definitely felt represented in this movie. <laughs> uh <laughs> what would be the name of travel Travis Bickle's podcast? Oh shit! <laughs> Something um, to do with being an incel and, and looking for Q for sure. The, the Travis Bickle experience. Yeah, the <laughs> Travis Bickle experience. Yeah, that's what it would be. There you go. That's perfect. That's literally what it would be. Porn theater showtimes with Travis Bickle. That, that is the wildest shit in the world to me, by the way. Like, I know I've, I'm familiar with the concept of the porn theater, but every time I see it in a movie, I'm like, why were, why do people live like this? <laughs> Revolutionary no way. at the time, man. Disgusting. There's no, I'm sorry. Going to watch porn with a whole bunch of other bros is disgusting. Yeah, no, thank Literally you. Literally disgusting. <laughs> R.I.P. Pee Wee Herman, you know? What's the policy <laughs> on capping in there? Because you know, people, some people in there are getting the full experience, and I don't want to be in there could, while people I, are fapping. I think the thing was is that you couldn't; you'd be kicked out. But so, like, then, like, why do it? <laughs> <laughs> like, why? Like, you can't. I never. Well, no, we don't have to do this. I'm just... <laughs> edging, just a whole lot of edging going on. So you can remember it later when you get home. <laughs> That's yeah, real sicko mode shit. Storing it away, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> remember when your imaginations were good when you were younger? <laughs> anyway, we're going, we're going way off the rails. We chose to do Taxi Driver because one, Teej was not going to go see the Taylor Swift movie. I couldn't get to it, um, but. A movie that should dominate, it probably won't dominate the box office because Taylor Swift will still continue to do that, but it will give it a run for its money. And it is said to be one of Martin Scorsese's, one, last films, but two, one of his better films maybe ever, Killers of the Flower Moon. Excuse me. Killers of the Flower Moon is coming out at the end of this week by the time that you're listening to this. So we wanted to do sort of a Martin Scorsese look back on films that maybe we hadn't seen. We're going to only get to one. Hopefully we can maybe revisit some others after Killers of the Flower Moon comes out because there's sort of a runway after that as well, too, of movies that haven't dropped there that won't drop until the holidays. Yeah. But if, uh, if it is a movie made before 2000, uh, Dex and I have had trouble seeing it, so there is yep. uh, there's a cool thing to like revisit here. We've already revisited revisited Goodfellas for my sake on this podcast. We've done The Departed uh, as well. I'm sure we've talked at length 
about some of his older movies, including Wolf of Wall Street and some other things, but we haven't really revisited those in full. I just threw out Taxi Driver because it has just been a cultural like blank spot for me. Just Same. a cultural blind spot. A lot of his 70s and 80s films. If you are a younger millennial like us, you probably were introduced to Scorsese with The Departed, maybe Gangs of New York, The Aviator. Um, Dex, what, what, I mean, Goodfellas, maybe even for you, but like, where did, where did your knowledge, like, I didn't even have any sort of idea of when I was watching The Departed of who Scorsese, like, what that meant to be watching a Martin Scorsese movie. Yeah, I was in the same place. I watched The Departed because it was it was the actors. <laughs> like it was mm-hmm. that they were the reason I watched it. And so I didn't really know much of anything about Scorsese until after that. Um but yeah, The Departed was my first intro. Never really bothered to go back to watch the older stuff because I don't often do that to be honest. Um a lot of movies it's like if I don't like if I wasn't forced to watch it by like my friends or whatever, I'm not going to just be sitting at home. Like, you know what? Let's watch taxi driver. Today's the day. Like, you know, also a wild thing to do. We all kind of had the same experience where we were like, <laughs> are we really watching this by ourselves at our homes? Yeah, I'm just at the crib. Just like, let's put on taxi driver tonight. You know, <laughs> me, uh, pour myself a little drink, <laughs> sit here and yeah. watch taxi driver. But yeah, so it was, it's. I'm glad that I've seen it now, so I, I get what people are talking about when they reference so shit on driver. it. Yeah, that too. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like when Joker came out, and I was like, "This fucking sucks," and everyone was like, "Yeah, it sucks. It's just a bad version of Taxi Driver." I was like, "Uh huh, yeah, for sure." Yeah, what they said. <laughs> <laughs> but now I know. Did you have, um a much more significant runway, I think, with your introduction to Scorsese. Definitely was like, not Taxi Driver, but I've, no. I've seen Taxi Driver You're before. not that old. You're um, not that <laughs> old, but, I, but I've, uh, I think this is probably my second time seeing Taxi Driver. And so I kind of got to go at it from a different perspective of watching for the second time and kind of noticing things or, or seeing the way that things are built up, knowing how the movie ends and, and, and what we're driving towards, uh, no pun intended. But uh, yeah, it was a. It was a. I watched this at home by myself, drinking wine on a Friday night, which is a totally normal way to spend a Friday night. Watching yeah. Taxi Driver and you know, watch, watching Travis Bickle. But this, I have some interesting thoughts about this film for sure on on second watch. And a lot of the things that Dexter going to say say about the film about the things that you probably didn't like about the film are definitely things that I'm probably going to agree with. But I I, I like the film obviously, but. This is this is not an easy watch. This is not a film that's like an easy watch to sit down and get through. There's some weird, wild shit in this movie. Some <laughs> even more weird, weird and wild than the other than other Scorsese movies. Like Wolf of Wall Street's got some wild shit in there, but it's not. It's a, Taxi Driver is this whole other level of filth and disgustingness that's in this film. It's nasty. Well, the filth and disgustingness, and I will talk about it at length after I give the description and give our reviews and stuff. It's like. It's like, is New York City hell? Is this hell? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I, Wolf of Wall Street's one big party. 
as he's descending into further and further madness and it's like it's not it's not like celebrating that like you think it is but it's like you could see where people would mistake it for one big you know one big party for jordan belfort when it's not that he's not venerating those people but like but like 1976 new york city in this looks like dante's inferno like it's just it's I, I don't know. Yeah, it just there's there is a disconnect between the wild stuff that is happening in this movie and the wild stuff that is happening in later movies because this feels like so much more gross. You yeah. know what I mean? It does. He made it worse than like worse than Gotham. Like this shit is this <laughs> this shit is disgusting. No, how can anyone live in a city that is that Scorsese's New York City? Or at least his vision of the New York City in the seventies. Nobody would ever want to live in that place. It's it's the most disgusting place ever. Yeah. So we just wanted a long introduction to say we'll be doing some Martin Scorsese retrospective because one, he's probably, if not the most important director of our time, probably, I mean, one of is one of the most important directors of our time, and he's said he's only going to make like two or three more. Uh, films. I believe his wife has health issues. He's 80. He just says he can't really do it anymore. Plus, I am for certain that we will uh, talk about Killers of the Flower Moon incessantly on this podcast until the Oscars drop in fucking March. So, uh, yeah. So, to get our history up on Scorsese, I think is a pretty good uh, I don't know exercise to do so yeah plus there's a few here and there that are uh streaming like raging bull but most of these we have to actively seek out a lot of his stuff you have to rent it's not available yeah i paid the 399 apple or whatever it was to rent yeah. this shit yeah Same. So, interesting interesting that that's going on uh taxi driver 1976 rated R hour 54 minutes 8.2 on IMDb a mentally unstable veteran works as a nighttime taxi driver in New York City where the perceived decadence and sleaze fuels his urge for violent action 94 metascore Martin Scorsese director written by Paul Schrader who was his writing partner for a very long time before Paul Schrader started uh, making his own ideas into weird movies um Paul Schrader, interesting fella, uh, if you've seen some of his other films as well. Stars Robert De Niro, De Niro Jodie Foster, Sybil Shepard, just looking just Lord. immaculate. Fantastic. Um, Sybil. I, I, Travis, I understand. I, I don't understand that. a lot of what you did, but I understand why you were sitting outside of that campaign office. I volunteered. Sybil Shepard well. was looking great. Vote for Palantine. <laughs> yeah, I would also I would also <laughs> want to give my vote to Palantine as well. <laughs> um Albert Brooks, a young Albert Brooks, which was strange to see. It's strange to see some of these like younger people that the near or uh that Scorsese got to be in some of his earlier films. Mm-hmm. Um because he wasn't like a commercial success, but I guess neither was De Niro, even though he had won an Oscar. There's a bit of trivia that said like De Niro got like he was only recognized once for uh, The Godfather while he was driving around in a taxi. 
this entire time. <laughs> he said it was a, according to the trivia, he said it was another younger actor who said, man, you just won an Academy Award. Is it that hard to get work? <laughs> While he's driving around. Anyway. God damn. Uh, Peter Boyle is in this, otherwise known as the uh, dad from Everybody Loves Raymond. If y'all know that. Nope. Nope. Okay. <laughs> and of Phenomenal course, television show, by the way. Yeah. And of course, Harvey Keitel as Harvey is Keitel's where, there. Yeah. yeah. Most of, uh, most of his early movies. Also, uh, Scorsese himself has a very crazy part in this that made you think, Oh, Martin Scorsese was on cocaine. That's right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this movie uh, was a semi-commercial success. Let me see. Do you want to play guess super the box cheap, office? Super cheap to make. I know it only cost like one or one point five million dollars to make. So, I mean, they was they were pretty much making money from the beginning. Yeah. Do y'all want to play guess the box office for nineteen seventy six dollars? I'm. I can't. It, they couldn't have made that much money with this gross ass film. I'm going to say twenty million dollars. Uh, I'll go twenty five. Price is right. Dex wins $28 million. <laughs> Let's go. Nice, nice. $1.3 million to make. Uh, so, yeah, this was a, a subtle hit. It was nominated for four Oscars, didn't win any. You want to play Guess the Oscar game? There's no way that we're going to be good at this. This movie came out, what, 1978 or some shit like that? Six. So, 1976. 76. Yeah. I know De Niro and Foster got nominated because two for four. That. Yep. I just don't know the other two. Uh, I uh, bet you, I bet you, score is one of them. Yeah, Bernard Herman, he died. This was he was possibly Posmuth. Yeah. Oh yeah, this was his last. Yes. Yep. Hmm. Screenplay. Screenplay. No, it was nominated for best pictures. Uh, Scorsese didn't oh, get a. Uh, really. Yeah. yeah. So screenplay didn't get a nomination. Neither did no director, Scorsese no. for director. So. What won yeah. best picture that year? Um, was this Rocky? Might have been. Uh, let's see. This year, Peter Finch won. It the best was actor. Rocky. It was Rocky. Yeah, nice. Which they, was they another picked the right film. They picked the right film. Which was another people forget, and we've talked about this before. Rocky was an independent film, so it was like king of like independent cinema. That that one, what a great year for the Oscar! Rocky, All the President's Men, Network, Taxi Driver, and a movie I've never really heard of, but Bound for Glory. Uh, where the those top for couple movies, those movies are all very very good. Yeah. Wow, that's a stacked year. Two very very uplifting movies, Taxi Driver and Rocky, going head to head. Two right, very yeah. uplifting movies. Yeah, All the President's Men about the president resigning as well too. <laughs> Yeah, just a great year to feel very good about America for sure. Um, isn't is Network the one where the guy loses his mind on Network TV too, where he's yes. like, yeah, he's like, I'm mad as hell and I don't get taken anymore. Anyway, uh, if you haven't if you haven't seen all the President's Men decks, by the way, that's like one of my top movies of all time. I um, have not seen it. Actually. It's phenomenal. It's yeah. it's really good. Yeah, it's very good. Um, so it has a lower score on Rotten Tomatoes than you would think, because Dex is on there. Uh, eighty nine percent. Dex is on there. 
That's not lower than I would think. This movie is disgusting. There's some people that are just going to be out on this film, no matter how well it's made, because it's fucking disgusting. It's gross. And the every year that passes, the way that America has grown and changed, the movie actually gets more gross because it's it, there's, it's touching on stuff that's still relevant to today. Which I guess it's even it more relevant. It's it, actually yeah, it, even more relevant. It's crazy. It's crazy how, how watching this movie from a 2023 perspective, it's crazy how much of this stuff is still in our everyday conversation, especially our online conversation. If Travis Bickle ever got the internet, look out, bros. That, that guy is going to look out. 93% audience score. A must-see film for movie lovers. The Martin Scorsese masterpiece is a hard-hitting, is as hard-hitting as it is compelling with Robert De Niro at his best. Again, De Niro did the thing where he was uh, he he set the set the standard for all uh future actors to abuse their body and he lost like 30 pounds or something for this role too or something like that and then gained it all back for raging bull so yeah anyway um dex i do want to start with you because we were having a conversation right before we started 20 minutes in give whatever reviews we're gonna give but like um you were saying, or I guess I was saying, there is some, there is some sort of like disconnect when you go back and you watch older movies now, especially at home. Yeah, it's like the relatability is and like. Don't get mad at me, but like we just said that this movie is probably more poignant now than it was then. But the relatability of watching it dissipates because you're not relating to the people in the time that it was made. Yeah, it's. It's one of those things where, like, everyone who I've ever heard just be like, oh, Taxi Driver is so amazing. Like, it's one of the greatest films of all time. Like, even Leonardo DiCaprio, like, I saw he did, like, some video where he was talking to Martin Scorsese about how, like, influential it was for him when he watched it at 15 and saw himself in Travis Bickle or whatever. I don't see myself in Travis Bickle, so like I just am not. That's a good as, thing, by the way. You, I'm just you not as compelled. Yeah, I'm just not as compelled as it seems like other people are who see themselves in Travis Bickle. It's like, you know, that makes sense. Like, I watched I watched this movie for the first time in 2023 as a black person, and I'm like, well, this guy kind of sucks. <laughs> He's well, scared well, of black people. <laughs> you know, and like that's not it's not like oh well. I, I can't like movie characters who, you know, don't like black people or whatever. Like I've seen a lot of movies, you know, like I can, I can get over, you know, people being racist in movies. Like it's fine, but I'm just not super compelled by the character. Cause I don't relate to him. And I don't know, like the, the plot isn't strong enough or gripping enough for me to just be like, Oh, this is, just so amazing like the commentary i'm sure it was groundbreaking in 1976 but like i'm not watching it in 1976 i'm watching it in 2023 after having watching having watched a whole bunch of other movies so the commentary about loneliness and how toxic masculinity escalates into violence or uh you know how do you feel like you're saving women from other toxic masculinity but that just makes itself into more toxic masculinity like the stuff isn't so doesn't move me like it probably would have if i had seen this movie when i was 15 years old um but that's not to say it's bad it's just not for me at this point in my life 
Um, so, I mean, I like I said, I don't want to say it's bad. Like, I don't want to give it like uh, this movie stinks. It's a C plus or whatever. But like, I probably at like a B. Like, it's just not. And like De Niro, De Niro's really good in it. Obviously, everyone's even before you see the movie, you've seen the "You Talking to Me" thing. Like, yeah, you know, it's like that's just good. But overall, eh, I probably never watch it again all the way through. But there are clips in it that I'll probably watch forever. Like so, and it's got that's going for it. I'm at, I'm at like a B. You Secret Service. <laughs> the smile he has on his face when he's talking to the speaker service agent is so perfect. You a cop? It's the, he has on the most shit eating grin the entire time he's talking to the guy. It's perfect. I mean, he's perfect also, in almost everything. Like another thing, it's just not like ambiguous enough for me. Like I feel like a lot of the the people who really like this movie are like. What really happened? Oh my god, I don't know. Like, it's like a debate about like whether any of this was real or whatever, and whether Travis Bickle is a good guy or a bad guy or an anti hero or something in the middle or whatever. And I'm like, I don't, first of all, I don't feel compelled to ask any of those questions by this movie, like what's <laughs> on the screen, but like the answers aren't interesting enough for me to like be super in love with this movie. But obviously, I respect the craft. Scorsese, like we said at the beginning, one of the ghosts. Like, you know, it's a really well-made movie. I'm just not personally moved by it, which is fine. So, um, I want to know I, what you thought, Royden, because you have had also never seen it. So, I want to know what you thought as somebody who's also watching it for the first time in 2023, just like Dex was. Well, I was texting you in real time and I was trying not to ruin it for Dex, but you got some of my text messages being like, what the fuck, dude? Uh, <laughs> but then at the very end, when it all said and done, and it was like two in the morning when I finished it and I had a plan to like drink a lot of drinks and like just, you know, plow through it. And I just kind of found myself like staying in my seat, not really checking my phone, which is sounds sacrilege when watching some like classic cinema or whatever to like super movie nerds but that's how we just kind of absorb content now second screens or whatever especially if you're watching don't you home. dare call it content Roy, and they'll come for you <laughs> oh sorry absorb <laughs> stuff things <laughs> whatever like you're you're all like you can't or at least i can't help but second screen and i kind of found myself really engrossed by it um now as to say like yeah, I'm I'm kind of at the point where does the message is it as transgressive now? Maybe that's the wrong word, probably I don't know. Is it as transgressive now as it was then? Absolutely not. Does it still play maybe more so now than it does then? Yes, which is weird. It's like we've like Dex was saying, we've kind of become our country None. has become the New York that's yeah. okay, that Scorsese is 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 showing. Is that what you're saying? Well, I kind of I kind of think that we've kind of become numb to the to, to the toxic. We're all just kind of like, yeah, we get it. Like, yeah, you're right. Men are trash. Like, yeah. like we know. <laughs> Watching it now, we're like, yeah, yeah. It's and, like yeah, I've seen American Psycho and Fight Club and Barbie. Like you know, like I know. <laughs> yeah, like. 
you know, and it, it so many other films have tried to do this and failed Joker. And I think that watching hey, they this, got a best picture nominee and they made a bajillion dollars. They did not uh, fail just because we all know that it's bad doesn't mean that they failed. That's not fair. It just makes me so much more mad at that movie now watching it. <laughs> it should. It oh very my much God. Should. And like I had known that it was copying Taxi Driver because I was like, like I've seen enough of Taxi Driver and heard enough about it that I got it. And like I was like, yeah, this is definitely a blatant ripoff of what they were doing with that. But now seeing it in full and like some of the conversations that they're having and the the violence in it and stuff like that, it's just all the same. It's the same the same movie. Doesn't yeah. the Joker even do the voiceover? Because you know that we're hearing Travis's voiceover. That's that's really his journal entries, and we hear them as voiceovers through the movie. There's a scene in Joker where they they do a similar thing. Like it's a very very straightforward homage to Taxi Driver all 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 through the film. So yeah, even, I would even call the it way the film off. looks, even the way that it looks, is like it looks like Taxi Driver. It looks everything so dirty, so dingy. It feels like everything in this movie is the dirtiest possible version of that street or that diner or that apartment everything is so disgusting i just i i do love that like 33 martin 33 year old martin scorsese was like on cocaine like driving around in a taxi like like stealing shots in new york and like making this for a million dollars the craft of it is amazing the score is incredible and it's just kind of pulsating throughout the throughout the movie the entire time the weirdest score ever but it's the most memorable score it's it's it, it makes no sense it's insane yeah, and so, and I think that was a guy who was doing like, if I'm not mistaken, was doing like, uh, 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 country score. I was not country, but was doing like western? western western scores. No, I lied. I lied. I lied. I lied. Sorry. He was doing he was doing stuff for uh, he was doing Vertigo and Psycho and North by North North by Northwest. So he was doing all of Alfred Hitchcock stuff. So no, forgive me. But so that makes sense that he was that he kind of found a lane in this to like make sort of a unsettling sort of horror score. Very, it's very different than a Hitchcock score, but you can it's like the same undertones or the same messaging, right? Yeah. But like the actual music itself is just it, it's 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 the, the way that you're mixing kind of that like every time he thinks about a woman, you would get that one with the horns, but then there'll be like these drums that come in. It's kind of it feels like they're too scores that are happening and they're like clashing with each other and it just really works it really works yeah. with the storytelling it really works um now i will say like i don't know how i, I think in the time there's a piece of this that like veterans this was really it, it, it this is the first time that we saw like the angry veteran in movies and uh, maybe not the very first time, but one of the first times that like made it popular was the angry Vietnam veteran. And a lot of people hated that <laughs> at the mm-hmm. time. Um, but it is interesting seeing that stereotype like portrayed for the very first time or sort of the root of that. Uh, and yeah, I just think young De Niro, just the most confidence of any actor ever. He just is never unsure of what he's doing. And it's crazy to see. It's just crazy to see. Yeah, these guys are young ones. I don't know. I'm rambling, but I just think that, like, there is a lot of stuff here that I'm glad that I saw for the very for the first time in full. Um, 
the ideas, while still poignant, aren't as game-changing now. And that's unfair to say. Like, I'm not saying that as, like, a criticism to, to Scorsese, because why yeah, would it be? 50 years ago, you yeah. should have known where we'd be. You should have known that, you know, they're going to copy you and don't worry, darling. But, um... <laughs> No, I don't know. I I think I did have that same thought when y'all were like, "What would Travis Pickles' podcast be?" I was like, "I don't know," but he'd for sure have he'd be for sure be in the "Don't Worry, Darling" world. Travis Bickle right. would definitely lock his girlfriend in an internet prison where she thinks it's real, but it's really a fake reality, all because she doesn't like make him sandwiches at the end of the night after working long hours. That's definitely something Travis Bickle <laughs> would do. Yeah, um, I do think this was just a. Uh, a Paul Schrader heat check of just being alone the entire time in like Los Angeles and being like, I got some ideas, you know, I got some thoughts. (laughs) Let me write these down. You know what I mean? Uh, Martin Scorsese dropping a hard in like that's some of this stuff doesn't age well, but you know, wow. This movie doesn't age well in that regard. There's some nasty Uh, shit going on. The treatment, the treatment of black people in this, Women, but also the treatment of black people and how they're portrayed on screen. Also the treatment of little girls in this film. There's a lot, yeah. there's a lot going on here. Not to do a retrospective, everybody's going to be like, you liberal cucks, like coming after this movie. <laughs> Not coming after the movie. I'm just saying the, the treatment of minorities in this film is crazy. And uh, yeah. Also, it's like, okay, Scorsese, you just wanted to say that, didn't you? Like... <laughs> Well, you didn't have to. Even in 1976, you didn't have to. <laughs> ah. Anyway, yeah, so it you could totally be like, yeah, I get that he was on drugs, you know? So. that's just, it, The fact that Scorsese cast himself in that role specifically is just insane to me. It, every time he pops up on the screen, I'm just like, holy shit, man, we're about to do this scene. This, that, that, that scene is just so weird. I just... He's also in know. the background of some of the shots too. Did you notice that? Like he's at the ha- campaign headquarters. Yes, he's at the campaign headquarters. I did. I did notice. I did not notice that the first time I saw him, but the second time I was like, "That's him. That's that's Scorsese again." But uh, you know, maybe he's supposed to be the same exact guy who's like going to end up later in the back of the taxi with him and have that. They don't even resolve that scene. That scene just happens, and then you're just like, and back to his life. He's back in the diner with his friends. <laughs> they don't even like resolve it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the world sucks, I guess. <laughs> holy shit, man. It, yeah, I don't know. Um, I haven't even, uh, what's your grade? They're gonna accuse I, you guys of both being liberal. No, I, you get I, this I as well. no, I, I give it, a, I give it an A minus. It's, it's weird to be like one of the most, uh, celebrated films of all time is, uh, is like a 91, but that's kind of like, where i am with it it also looks great like just the the filming in the car and stuff i don't know just those those shots of just like buildings passing by and it's all at night and uh yeah it's just lit awesome uh the ending fight scene or whatever it is is weird <laughs> like it's so you weird really, uh you really feel the budget and how they yeah. how they set that whole thing up you can really feel the budget <laughs> there's there's like 10 gunshots and none of them are accurate <laughs> the way the like uh what's his name 
the the pimp that like stands on the corner the way he Sport. died was so fucking funny dude like, he gets shot and he's like <laughs> Harvey Keitel uh, yeah Harvey Keitel dude that shit. I, I I laughed so hard <laughs> Sport, shout out yeah. Um, so I just, uh, I just, I don't know, man. I, I don't know what to, how to feel about it. Cause it's, it's so revolutionary for the time. Obviously there's so much pop culture around it. Um, and yet I don't know. I don't know. It, it's, uh, it, it's just hard. It's a hard watch. I just keep going back to that. Yeah. And, it's not uh, like watching Goodfellas where you're like, damn, this rules. <laughs> like, yeah, this goes, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's just a different it's, kind of, it movie. is, it is a big, like Martin Scorsese and Paul Schrader have some thoughts about a lot of things and you have to sit there and watch them work that out. And you're just kind of like, it's art, but who it is hard to look at. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Teach. So I cannot separate my thoughts on this film from just the thoughts about how the film was made. Like these people, De Niro is just literally hitting the height of his, of his fame at that time, just came off the Godfather, which again, wasn't the biggest commercial success, but will go on to, you know, it's very well renowned by the people who did see it at the time. So he's coming off the Godfather two, coming off Godfather two. And all of a sudden, He's in these grimy, nasty-ass cabs driving around New York City in the dirtiest, nastiest film ever. I just, Scorsese just hopping in cabs and grabbing cameras and making this cheap-ass movie about this cab driver. I can't separate how cool that moment must have been in their lives from actually watching the film. But the film itself is not an easy watch at all. And it's kind of like, in a lot of ways, a rough draft of all the all the, not only the the Scorsese characters that we grow to know in subsequent films, but also the De Niro characters that we grow to know in subsequent films as well, in terms of how, what kind of men they put on screen, right? You're kind of seeing a rough sketch outline of those things that are way more curved and smooth going forward. But in this one, you see all the jagged lines and how nasty and disgusting kind of what they think this man is. We're, we're, we're placed in with this man who routinely goes to watch porn in porn houses, gets on a date with a baddie for the first date. Well, the second date, technically, because he takes her out to coffee, I guess, for pie. The second that, date, real quick, that coffee and pie scene is where I knew this was going off the rails. His, <laughs> it, it, his thoughts about like men that talk to her and how he yeah. is so much better than I'm the alpha male and like we have this connection. And she's kind of like eating it up a little bit, but I'm like. Nasty. If you, can you tell were a dude in 2023 that. and you were like, you were like, when I walked in and I saw that we had this connection and I knew that we were in, you'd be like, whoa, okay. <laughs> the fact that, first of all, the way he just goes into the office, gets her, you see the, like the little, the little beta male cuck dude in the court, literally standing behind stuff, looking at the conversation, the way that they framed this man, he's literally standing behind corners, looking at her interact with Travis Bickle, who must be the most handsome, most amazing guy ever because that dude is immediately jealous, even though he should be scared because they literally saw the same dude hanging out, out in a taxi just watching Sybil Shepherd at work. It happened. She knows it's him when he walks in. He walks right up to her. 
the guy talks to him first and he says, no, I think I'd rather get signed up by her. And and him knowing what this guy's been doing and stalking this woman basically just like walks to the corner and stands behind some walls. Like the way that this whole scene is presented, the whole thing is is so like, it's so, it's so out there. It's like, why is Sybil Shepard interested in Travis Bickle at all? It doesn't make any sense. But somehow she is interested in him. Somehow she even seems to like him a little bit after they go out to eat pie. The second date, he takes her to a porn house, and he's confused. He doesn't understand why she doesn't like it. Like this dude <laughs> is the nastiest, grossest dude. He's he's yeah, dropping like, problem? He hates everybody in the city. He hates everybody equally, except for like other white dude bros. He treats women horribly. He he falls in love every time he sees a woman. You hear this score, which is the best part of the movie to me, where this like you have his incel score mixed with this like kind of fake porn music, kind of fake like lovey-dovey music, and it kind of flows in and out throughout the film. The way he thinks about everything is just kind of, his perspective is gross and off, and he just slowly gets worse and worse and worse, and he starts to, you know, like the way he he starts to, the scene where he meets the secret agent guy, uh, the, or the secret service guy, and he's just smiling at him, is probably the only funny scene in the film. That, that scene makes me laugh every time just because he's this, the way he's got this smile on is just so weird and so perfect. Uh, I just think that De Niro, De Niro does, does a great job bringing the character to life, but it's just a weird – it's not an enjoyable movie to watch. It's more of like the craft of it is enjoyable. The Jodie Foster performance to me is just amazing. Like I don't know why an actual 12-year-old is actually playing that role. That's really weird that this she was on set for all time. this stuff. Well, she she was not of age at the time. She was a kid. No, yeah, she was she was a teenager. But like, uh, it was kind of weird to me thinking like, oh, everybody talks about the Jodie Foster part, and she's on screen for like ten minutes. Yeah, yeah, she's not. On and she got nominated for an Oscar. I'm shocked she got nominated <laughs> for an Oscar. Me too. Like, I understand, but like it. It, I'm it's just great, like, but she's she, not in the movie for that long. She's not like, in she the movie. Yeah. She doesn't even pop up into the movie basically until you know the and, and the last third of the movie. But it, it's just such a weird, weird, weird movie. Seeing young Harvey Keitel playing a pimp and the way that he talks, like the way that he interacts with his young twelve-year-old child prostitute, like it's just it's the weirdest movie ever. All the themes are uh, like. It seems dated, but there are, you know, this is a Travis Bickle was represents a lot of men in America at the time and a lot of men in America now in terms of their thinking, maybe not in terms of how they live their lives, but in terms of their thinking and having somebody like that on screen and presenting him unflinchingly, he's not presented for you to root for him. He's also not presented for you to root against him. It's just like, here's the story of this guy. Here is what's going to happen. The fact that, you know, at the end of the movie, he gets the goes on this rampage and then he's like hailed as a hero just says so much about what Scorsese thought about America and New York City at the time. And and seeing that play out on screen is just a fascinating watch. The movie's not perfect by any means. It's not something that you're going to really enjoy watching from like a standpoint of being thrilled because you're really going to be grossed out and really weirded out by a lot of this movie. But it's just it's just great filmmaking. I, I enjoy it every time. I'm gonna give it an A. It's 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 and I can't help but see it in the lineage of the other Scorsese and De Niro characters. And to me, it just feels like a beautiful rough draft of some of the stuff that they were going to make. And it's just a it's just like a very unique movie. I've never quite seen a movie like it that that existed before. And I mean, obviously, we've seen movies like it afterwards because people are trying to make the same movie. But 
you know, never quite seen anything like it at that time. It's just it's just a fascinating, fascinating character study into these actors and this director. And I gave it an A. I, I, I really enjoyed it. Well, this kind of represented like a shift in um, in Hollywood, especially well, independent cinema as well. But like, from what I understand, it's like it didn't glamorize cities. And there's been other films that came before that, obviously. But Scorsese was really like, yeah, this place can suck ass. Like a lot of it, you know what I mean? There's yeah. dudes like falling asleep on heroin, like in the doorway of a diner, and just like. Yeah, anyway, I it it really didn't glamorize these major metropolitan areas like I think a lot of old you know subsequent film or not subsequent films, previous films had done. And I think it kind of like really gave people a negative view of what New York was like for a very long time too. Yeah, true. So it make New York look like the worst place in the planet. And you don't, he, you know, he says at the beginning of the movie, he says like, this place is scum and filth. And when Palat Palantine asked him like, what would you do? He's like, honestly, I would clean up the goddamn city. Like the city <laughs> is a mess. You don't really, other than that, you don't really hit, get like an interplay of how his, his surroundings and how these things that are happening around him are affecting him. You, you really see it from the other side, but like that, like living in a place like that, has to affect you. I mean, they live in a shithole. He literally says that he has to wash cum and blood off of the backseat of this cab every night. Like, you, you could imagine that kind of life. You're going into porn theaters. It's gross as shit. People are fapping around you. You get into a cab, driving people around. People are saying the most random people crazy shit. People are still shit. fapping around people you. Are, people are fapping around you still. People <laughs> are shooting up. People are having sex. And it's just like you live literally like in hell. You know, Scorsese said he wanted the movie to feel like dreamlike, not obviously not a good dream, but like this guy lives in a nightmare. He literally lives in a nightmare. And so there's also something to be said about how those that that surrounding is playing upon our character. And I think it's just so well weaved into the background of the movie. I know Dex said it like wasn't subtle enough. There's some a lot of stuff that's not subtle at all about the movie, but I think there are a lot of stuff behind the movie that is subtle in the way that you're supposed to experience the movie. I, I think it kind of is that perfect balance of having a very clear and easy to understand message, but having very, very, you know, small things in the background that are kind of tying together a different narrative. I think it just does a great job of that. I, I, I love that part of the movie. Well, yeah, to be clear, like my issue with like the lack of like ambiguity or whatever, is not so much about like that part or it being subtle or not. It's just like at the end, the answers are too easy, you know, like he, uh, Obviously, he shoots the black guy, but it's like, oh, that guy was like clearly robbing a store. Like, you know, okay, fine. Like, you can kill him, and then he kills all the the pimps and the bouncers or whatever. And it's like, okay, yeah, like fine, you can kill them. Can you can you do something that like I'll be like, oh, that sucks. You shouldn't do that. You know, <laughs> like yeah, and, his like his major actions, other than being like a creep, like yeah, yeah, his with the with the girl, the first woman or Sybil Shepherd rather, like his major actions don't reflect him being a bad person. It's just you have sit sat there with his thoughts the entire time. So now you're supposed to be like, you know, but it's like, but his major actions yeah. are that he killed a he killed the pimp of a child prostitute. Like in yeah, a, in a, and me, I'm one of those people that's like not to quote a fucking comic movie while we're talking about Scorsese, but 
like it's not like who you are on the inside that matters it's what you do like so like you being a creep on the inside that's fine everyone's a little bit of a creep on the inside whatever but like do something that makes me like oh this guy's such a creep like oh, i can't believe he did that oh, i don't know how to feel like all the stuff he does well yeah, yeah like he he threatened to kill a he threatened to kill a politician kind of but then he didn't and then just killed a black guy <laughs> a black, black guy who was there. robbing a store it's like okay yeah don't rob my friend like <laughs> you were pointing a gun at my friend okay like if the black guy was like in an argument with him and didn't pull a gun out yet and you're like oh you might pull a gun out i don't know like that's a little more amb- ambiguous. That's a little more interesting to me, you know. But if he had killed the politician, like he wouldn't have been a hero. But because he killed the, the some some random a pimp and a trick in uh, like a literal whorehouse that had a twelve year old prostitute in it, like he becomes the hero. That's <laughs> yeah. Like the answers are too easy at the end for me. Like I, I took it all as literal too. There's a lot of people that like want to subscribe, sort of like the dream theory thing to this entire thing yeah, and i just i'm like i'm just kind of like i took it at face value i i, I think it's literal I, both times yeah, i've yeah. watched it I've, I've taken it literally i took it um, at face value i heard some of the theories about like what did or didn't happen oh he's bleeding out and this is all like a dream as he's dying or whatever but nah. i'm not gonna lie though that shot of him bleeding and like doing the gun sign hard as hell dude it's the hardest <laughs> it's just sick. that's that's frame is like framed in several like i don't know books or whatever hard as hell it's incredible that shit, that shit is dope the bloody um, hand yeah. yeah the uh but you know critics I, I said it has like a 94 on on uh metacritic critics smarter than us kind of agree roger ebert said and i don't know when this was written maybe it was a retrospective but like a brilliant nightmare and like all nightmares it doesn't tell us half of what we want to know um so people think are like this is like horrific to watch and they got it at the time but in the 20th anniversary denson tom uh thompson for the washington post watch wrote and this i think is kind of how we're feeling it hasn't aged so much as triumphantly metastasized <laughs> I, I like I, that couldn't it's say a good it turn of phrase. Yeah. So I don't know. Teej, do you have uh, more thoughts on it? I just there's there's just something about I, I there's there's something about that score that just it sticks with me every time I watch it. The scene where he takes him to the black guy's house and is talking about killing his wife. Just the fact that it's like we don't even that's not even a story point. Like we don't even resolve it. It's just like this is just a rant, another night in New York. This is nothing special about this interaction that we're seeing. The only thing special about it is that we're seeing it. But this is this guy's every day, man. And so not to excuse any of his thoughts or any of his actions because he's a horrible, horrible person, but to present him in his true, full, naked self and to present him as like who he actually is to the viewer and to let you form your own opinion about him and then make him a hero at the end. I just think it's like a, it's just a genius movie making trick. I just think it's just very smart in the way that you experience this film, the way they end the film is so smart to me because it's like, we could just see the guy go on this killing spree and then he's a horrible person just like we thought he was, you know, that I think that's, that's easy. I think that's, that's what most movies would do, but to present that character, make us hate him because he happens to be an awful person 
and he probably looks even more awful sitting where we sit in 2023 than he looked in 1976. Maybe some of those behaviors are more, more normal or more tolerated at that time. We have grown, we have grown mostly less tolerable to th- those type of thought processes and those thoughts of ideologies. So he looks even worse to us as history goes on, but then he becomes a hero of the movie. It's just like, there's something about that that I just like. And I just think Scorsese is amazing. He's a, he's a singular talent. The way this movie is shot is just so incredible to me. I can't really take away. I can't like, I, it's not a fun movie to watch, but I can't remove the filmmaking part of it and how much I enjoy that part of it from the actual like experience of watching it, which is like, this is gross. The, everything this guy thinks is gross. Every I don't want to be around this guy anymore. But De Niro's just too good at bringing that character to screen. You can't look away. Uh, it's it's one of the weirdest movies I've ever seen. Can we talk about the Scorsese scene? Why is it in there? <laughs> because Scorsese wanted to say the N-word. He just That's wanted to why. get that off his chest, man. <laughs> I, I mean, just like... Because it doesn't... I mean, maybe somebody smarter than me would be like, well, it sort of, uh, I don't know. It shows it, you what the world is like. Maybe it makes him I want get... the biggest, baddest gun he can buy. <laughs> That's the only, like, <laughs> He's like, wow, he I would like shopping. to know what that'll do to a motherfucker's face. That's crazy. He bought every gun that guy showed him. That guy showed him four guns. He said, no, no, I'll just take all those, all those all guns. Yeah. <laughs> or even the rest. Yeah. You have a bazooka? <laughs> what you got? I'll buy it. No, I'll actually just buy you out. I'll buy your whole stock. I just give me all the guns. Give me I, all love that that, I love that that guy was like, I'll sell you crack. Like it's just like <laughs> <laughs> he names like 20 drugs that he'll sell the guy. <laughs> He's like no. a, a meth reference in 1976 is wild. He's like, no, I'm not into that shit, man. Like, I'm not into that stuff. You're into some weird ass shit yourself. Don't look down on drug users. You, you, you're great. Yeah, bro, you're too good for crack now. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna buy every single gun I sell, but you're too good for crack. <laughs> I just a little mescaline. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> the Scorsese scene, just yeah. I don't know, man. I it it really is just he's a don't move. Like he's just like stay right here. Did I tell you to move? Did I tell you? And you're just like, what is happening? Is that the director of the? Oh my god, that's the director of the movie. <laughs> Sybil Shepherd just she is breathtaking. In this. It is genuinely is breathtaking. It is like when when uh, Tarantino shows up in his films. Does yeah. drop the n word? And you're yeah. just like. What? It's like a post fiction where you're like, bro, you just really just wanted to do that that day, dude, right? <laughs> no one asked you, you know? Like, you, I know you, you didn't have to. It's fine. You have to have you that scene. In there. Without this. You have to show what his life is like and also show just kind of like there's so much about like what men think about women in this film, throughout this film, the, the way that men defy their masculinity by how they view women. Like, Literally, him going like Royden said, him going into "quote unquote" protective mode and immediately dirty macking her coworker, and like that stuff is really, really, really creepy. And he does the same thing with the child prostitute. He notices she was in danger. He doesn't even save her. He's thinking about her consistently throughout the next couple of how many days or weeks it is. And finally, you know, he just basically goes to find her and intervenes in her life immediately and talks about the, the guy she spends her time with. Like 
it, it just kind of it, it feeds into that theme of the way that we view women as property, the way that he is viewing women as property before he even knows this woman. He's just like, hey, that dude you be at work with, I don't fuck with him. I don't fuck with him at all. I think he's a clown. I think he's a dweeb. I think you need to stay away from him. I think that you should get away from him right now. Like, Give it's, it's, it's possession. <laughs> I do like uh, I do like how the the ending scene with Sybil Shepherd where she gets in his cab or whatever is like the uh, the meme of the nerd growing up to be like the rich lawyer or whatever. <laughs> beat it, chick. Beat it, yeah, chick. Beat it, chick. <laughs> He's just like, yeah, you thought, you know what I mean, like. It's it, it's. I'm a hero now. I got some vigilante shit to go do. Yeah, I don't know. Um, we talked about this movie for an hour. Um, it it is interesting that he goes on. I mean, after this is essentially his fourth film, fourth feature film, I believe. Yep. He did Mean Streets before this, which Teej, you've seen, correct? I've seen Mean Streets. It's great. <laughs> so it's great yeah so there's some ideas in that's that what, like, that's a that's a more accessible scorsese it's more like the other scorsese stories uh yeah it's uh, it's way more accessible than taxi driver which is just one of the weirdest movies ever made but then he goes on to make raging bull which by all accounts is a tough watch so like very tough watch yeah he so, was very set he was feeling a lot of feelings and and a yeah, lot of things really working through some of his stuff life. you know yeah Especially his feelings about women because he's been divorced like five times. But like, yeah. so, um, no, it, it is interesting when he makes that shift in our lifetime to like, uh, this is the wrong word for it, but more like popcorn films, you know? That makes more sense. traditional like, gangs is way more of a popcorn film than, you know, you know. Well, and then just like The Aviator and like Gangs of New York, like, you know, sort of bigger budget sort of you know and i guess you get the clout after you make good fellas you know what i mean but <laughs> yeah. so i don't know you know casino he redoes it so i just it is it is really interesting to me but in on throughout all of that he's made like several short films and he's just like constantly working he's a really interesting figure considering like some of these guys i mean coppola's made like what his contemporary Coppola has made like five movies. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know. Um, any other parting thoughts on this? The yeah, Irishman still sucks. Irishman is bad. Uh, yeah. Not I don't... <laughs> it's not bad. I would say that it's bad, but I also would not say that it's good. Um, this is definitely better than the Irishman. The Irishman is still at the bottom of my Martin Scorsese rankings. <laughs> what I've seen. Killers of the Flower uh, Moon would never. It would never let us down in that way. <laughs> Killers of the Flower Moon is getting incredible reviews, by the way. I cannot fucking wait. I will be uh, seated. I will be on Adderall. I will, I will be, be focused. Uh, although, Martin, I, I get what your sort of quest is here before. Don't, don't do it, Royden. It's supposed to be three and a half hours. <laughs> we want it that long. No, no, no. Please. No, that's fine. Bring back intermissions. Well, that's fine. Nice. Work it that. in. You have our that. you have you're a captive audience. You have us. We paid our money. We paid already. We're there. We're yeah. In. You might as well just do us that favor. So yeah, I got a piss, dude. I <laughs> I be peeing in movies. I just have to like like I just have to go. 
These sodas are very large. All right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I I just like I understand what he's trying to do, and he's like said, "Oh well, you sit on your, you park your ass on your couch, and you, you plebs watch eighteen hours of like Love Is Blind for yeah, exactly. So for you, two days, you can watch but I can get up and go pee. That's... Yeah, I can pause. <laughs> I can press pause. That's the whole I don't thing. Just sit there for three and a half hours straight. <laughs> I don't think he's quite grasped that yet. For some reason, <laughs> he hasn't. He's Which old, is... so he's not going to. Yeah, he's not going to grasp. He's it. like, so I'm going to keep making these, you know, four hour epics or whatever it is. You, you know, idiots can sit there and deal with it. But I'm just kind of like Martin. I'm interested to see what we have bathrooms of, in our house. What kind of life this movie has at the theaters? Because like it seems like they're doing way, like giving way more effort to making it a theatrical movie than they did for The Irishman. Obviously, it's two different companies, so different approaches. But and this is going to drop on Apple too, eventually, right? Eventually, yeah, yeah. So... That's just going to bang on Apple. I'm wanting that bitch back, and I wait for the streaming. I'm yeah, we'll see what back. it does at the box office because I feel like you know when, when Glass Onion came out, everyone knew that it was going to be on Netflix eventually, but they really only had it out in theaters for like a week. And it was like yeah. a month until it this was, was going to get a full run, right? This was supposed to get a full so. run. Um. Yeah, pr- pretty sure, but like they've also not really broadcast that it's going to be dropped. That like these other dummies are like, and then streaming on Netflix. Yeah, it's like, d- yeah, make your money. You know what I mean? Like it would have made, you know, Glass Onion would have made a hundred million dollars if you would have just shut the fuck up. Was <laughs> 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 it like? I don't know. It's hard when the movie. We can't make money at Netflix. You're like, oh, no shit. (laughs) The uh, I read the first chapter of this book. I'm gonna read the second chapter tonight. But this book is so far really well written. This shit's going to be real cinema, bro. This there's just it's a perfect Scorsese movie. Leo's gonna drop nine thousand. It's just it's gonna be real cinema. This is gonna be. The book is based on real life, right? Yeah, like it's a true crime. Yes, it's not a fiction book. Okay. That, I'm gonna yeah, have okay. to. I'm gonna have to uh, audible that one. To be completely honest with you, that's going straight into my ears. So, so I far, so am far just watching the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna do like the hours and hours it'll take me to read the book and then watch a three and a half hour movie. No, sir. Sorry. I'm just calling it now. The Oppenheimer. We haven't seen it, but I just know it's gonna be praised as and get nominated for best picture. Uh. The Oppenheimer Killers of the Flower Moon discourse is going to be a fucking bloodbath come the Oscars. Oh, my God. Inject it into my fucking veins. I need it. Inject it into my veins. I can't wait. All the worst white people you know will have just awful, awful Incredible opinions. on both sides. (laughs) Oh, my God. We are here. We are legion to tell you why. (laughs) We are so fucking back. The Oppenheimer versus Killers of the Flower Moon battle is going to be one for the ages. Sign me up. And then the like super woke people who are like, what about the Japanese people? What about the like the Native Americans? Like in this whole process, it's just going to be turn this shit up. Very, very, very discourse heavy. (laughs) Oscar season is coming. Inject it. I cannot wait. Um, yeah, so Killers of Flower Moon coming out this week. Uh, we will review it uh soon. Maybe they will be doing this podcast without me. We were saying off pod. 
I'm going to be gone. Uh, so I, I don't think I'm going to be sitting in a, in a English or Scottish theater for three and a half hours on vacation. Um, my wife might actually divorce me. I think that would like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't think I could even watch this movie at 6am and she not like, <laughs> she not, uh, I don't think she'd appreciate that even that then. So and that's understandable, but, uh, I don't know if I'll be sneaking around to watch Killers of the Flower Moon. What were you doing? Were you cheating on me? No, babe. I was just watching no, Killers of the Flower Moon. I was watching Scorsese. Yeah, I was watching Leo. I'm yeah. sorry. She thinks I'm cheating. I'm out with the boys watching <laughs> Killers of the Flower Moon. <laughs> Seeing Leo get his bars off, you know what I mean? In a weird accent that he continues to try and yeah, do. Shout out to Joe Clemens. I'm calling it now. We're going for this Oscar, baby. Turn that shit up. Mark Texas's finest. Get this due. To find out who's who's doing them. That's just like <laughs> I've watched that trailer several times. He's like, it's probably my favorite trailer of the year. That's probably my favorite trailer of the year. That shit, the music in that is oh, we're we're about to get some real fucking cinema. I can't wait. I can't wait. Um, so what have uh what have we watched? Have we watched anything besides the Taylor Swift film? I'm watching Gen V and Loki. Gen V is fucking great. Everybody should be watching. I uh, know that y'all are not watching, but Gen V is great. It's just as nasty, just as violent, and just as well-written as The Boys. Uh, I've been watching Love is Blind like everybody else. I, what a shitty season. It was a waste of time. I'm uh, sweet on Love is Blind. I feel like after every reality dating show, after the first season, it's like it's it's just people who want to be famous now. So like they're yeah. always awful. <laughs> you got to get yeah. on those shows right when they drop, when they're hot, before like people know they can get incredibly famous doing this shit and just become not the worst my favorite season. Themselves. And it was in Houston, bad representation of Houston people. Netflix, I don't appreciate that. <laughs> uh, I also started the Goosebumps series. I love the Goosebumps movies as a kid. Love, love, love. It's that? got Justin Long. So it's on Hulu. And uh, I only watched the first episode, but so far, pretty good. I'm into it. So far, I am oh, into it's an it. actual Goosebumps series, or is it yes. like based on one of the books? Uh, I no, it's an actual Goosebumps series, and it looks like what they're going to do is incorporate storylines from different books into the main storyline of this show. Because the first episode is about a camera that, when you take a picture, if you get take a picture of you taken with this camera, the Polaroid that comes out, you're like cursed. And so that's from one of the books. But they're just weaving these things that are happening. They're going to take stuff from different books and weave it into a larger narrative. And so far, so good, but I've only watched one episode, but so far I'm into it. Dex, have you seen anything? Uh, I started season two of Loki. I've only seen the first episode. Is it two episodes out now? Or three? There are two episodes out now, yes. Okay, yeah, so I'm behind on that. But yeah, the first episode was very enjoyable. Shout out to Kihi Kwan, my king. He is him. Getting more work. We love to see yeah. it. Facts. You're reigning defending Academy Award winner for your best supporting actor. Uh, shout out. I saw the Taylor Swift movie like I talked about, and uh, I I have not been watching any baseball whatsoever. Don't talk to me about that. <laughs> baseball is a dead and dying sport. Invented in the 1800s by racists. Thank you very much. Um, so you've been watching Baylor football? That's what you've been watching? I am unfamiliar. <laughs> that group of individuals. I've only been watching CJ Stroud and the Houston Texans. <laughs> Oh, you were talking about like Baylor University football? 
Yes. Have you been keeping up? Have you been watching? What you know? What are the vibes um, over there? What is? I don't think that activity <laughs> is of the Lord and should not be partaken in Baylor University. Personally, <laughs> college football is not of God. So. <laughs> Again, exploiting these young children for money, um, <laughs> refusing to pay up on NIL deals. This is the latter. Uh, so yeah, you know. God uh, said Adam and Eve, not first and ten. So. <laughs> <laughs> what? At least you got see this drama. God created God created Adam and Eve, not first downs, brother. <laughs> so stupid. Um yes, thank God for CJ Stroud and uh I I don't want to, you know, offend anybody, but Ime Adoka might have us actually playing good basketball. In please, Houston, brothers, please don't please. sleep. Please, please. We, if as long as we win the in season tournament, I'm gonna treat that like a real championship and I'm gonna be talking accordingly. So, I'm please, Eme, just win the in season tournament. Talk a big shit. <laughs> Hopefully, we're the only team that really cares about the in season tournament and we win that bitch and I will be talking crazy. That's my hope for the season. Look, I'm not gonna hold you that it's gonna people are gonna make fun of it, but. If you had a championship game of like young, like if Victor Wimbenyama, like who we're cursing the name of on this podcast, but if Ooh. Victor Wimbenyama versus like I don't know Palo or somebody else or the Rockets or whatever, young Jalen and young yeah. Jabari and young Amen, Amon Thompson. Yes, if you had it. that in the final, people would like, oh yeah, shit, free basketball. This is awesome. <laughs> We like, would make merch. We would commemorate this moment. We were the first team to ever win the in-season tournament. Th- this shit means something to me, man. I'm we have to win it. Banner. Like, I need hang that. the fucking banner. It's going to be the Utah Jazz versus like the Washington, uh, I was going to say, Wizards. I was going to say Bullets. But, yeah, it's going to be that. But, you know, anyway. It's going to be the Houston Rockets versus one of these most Oklahoma City Thunder. We're going to get them niggas the fuck out of here. We We're going to take out of here, into dog. We are exposing it's ours. the Gilders It's ours for the claiming. For the it's lies ours. that it is. The SGA love is unprecedented. It's insane. Uh, he deserves it. Anything like he's awesome. That. He deserves it. He's he awesome. Him. But, but he's not beating us in the end-season tournament. It's not happening. That's our trophy. That's coming home to Houston, baby. That's coming to but Houston. Like, he also had like hadn't won. I'm kind of with Dex. He hasn't on done this. anything. <laughs> he like he got first. Was he first team All NBA? He was first team was. All NBA. That's he unbelievable. A, he he was in. I think he was fifth for the MVP. I think maybe fourth. I've never seen anything like it. At least when like Luka Doncic was getting glazed all over, he was like put, dropping forty in the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? Like, what what are we doing? You better stop talking like that because SGA now has Chet, who looks to be phenomenal. That Even team's going Do- to be incredible. Like, I, that team's beating somebody never, in the first round. I have never liked Donovan Mitchell. But even Donovan Mitchell, when they were like praising him for whatever, in the playoffs as a rookie, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like, how did SGA just skip the line? Like, how does this happen? By being Why the pundits love that OKC team, too. That division is going to be good, unfortunately. I wish upon their downfall, but they're going to be really good. Really, this really is good. A movie podcast. So, you know, go check out Taylor Swift. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, go support, don't go check out Taylor Swift. Go support, support the one. young goat. She's not that young anymore, but, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> She's 33, you know, like, um, I, oh, <laughs> real quick, 
what I'm watching. I watched uh, two movies that are on Amazon. One that came out and tanked in theaters, but it should have done a lot better because it was really, really good. Uh, Guy Ritchie's The Covenant. Uh, oh, that's good. I've seen that. Yeah, it is on. Uh, it is on Amazon for free right now. So it's awesome. I thought it was really, really good. Um, and uh, kind of breaks a few conventions of like a traditional war movie, but like most of the action is incredible and then the tommy lee jones um uh i want to jamie fox law movie the burial on amazon have y'all heard about this no check it out if it was made in 1993 it would have made 200 million dollars and jamie fox would have been nominated for best actor but journey smollett's in it too how have i never heard of this has like a 90 on Rotten Tomatoes. It is the most like 1996 movie that has been created in forever. Tej, watch it. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about. The the burial? The burial. I'm on, I'm in it. What wait, where is it? Where is it? It's on Amazon. Amazon. Got it. Yeah. Shout to Amazon dropping heat. Shout to Amazon. They just straight up like they they well, one have purchased a bunch of movies, but two, like they have no problems with like really putting new releases on their thing. It feels like it takes a long time for some of these places. I mean, Netflix does it, but I don't know. I putting the 2023 movies, I think on their website is really cool. Um, yeah. Anyway, anything else? Any housekeeping? Nope. All right. You can find us at a one take podcast, one take podcast on Twitter, one take podcast on Instagram. And uh, yeah, you can email the show, I guess, at one take podcast at gmail.com. One take podcast show, rather, at gmail.com. Way too long of an email address. Killers of the Flower Moon, next episode. I may or may not be on it. That's coming next. But what we will continue to do is Dex. Hashtag Sports Lawrence Pew. Go watch uh, The Boy and the Heron. She's the, in the English dub of that. Oh yeah, I don't know when that's out or where, but watch that on Max you... probably in like two years for like Miyazaki. Yeah, <laughs> you still haven't watched the last the last one she put out. You still haven't watched it, Dex? Have you? No, <laughs> and I don't plan on it to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> He's not the only one. Uh, I, I think on. I'm gonna have to go ahead and miss that one, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, because my support for Florence Pugh. Uh, Stops at movies directed by Zach Brown. <laughs> I told the only one. one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brown.